This is The Naturalist. In every episode, we're covering the products, ideas, and trends that are shaping the CPG industry. Or that we just really like. This place is so nice. I really like it here. I am extremely comfortable. I am too. Should we tell them where we are? Why not? We're at a place called Kiln. It's a co-working space on Pearl Street in Boulder. If you've been to Boulder, you know Pearl Street is downtown. Yeah, and we we recently recorded an episode at the Boulder Bookstore just down the way. So we're between offices. And the Boulder Public Library. That was a fun one. Oh, yes. We've been doing the Tour de Boulder. And this is a newer addition to the Boulder community, a great co-working space. We have our tea. There's a meditation room. Very Boulder. Very Boulder. Yes. And we are, you know, between offices. So we've been kind of like finding some little places to settle in and record. Well, this seems like a really great setting for what we're going to do today, because I noticed as we were walking through the building, there are quite a few natural products companies that have their offices in this space. Yes. Some of the companies we work very closely with. I was like, we know them. We work with them. (laughs) Who's your contact there? Yeah. Lots of people, fun people here. This seems like a really great place to launch this special episode. It is our Natural Food Trends for 2024. I can't wait to jump into these because we collect all of the insights that we gather throughout the year at Natural Products Expo through our Nexty Awards, through just the industry reporting and work that we do. And we like got together as a content team and really looked at which ones we think will have the biggest impact on the CPG and retail industry in 2024. Yeah, super exciting. So we narrowed that huge list down to 11 key trends in food and beverage and supplements. We did indeed. So what's the first one? Okay, so we're jumping in. Let's do it. We're ready. We're ready. Okay, so the first one we've called a whole wide world of plants. Now, this trend is really looking at the role of biodiversity in agriculture and in our food systems and recognizing that biodiversity is declining rapidly. But food brands are really stepping in to to help solve the problem. And I think what's unique about this is it goes beyond kind of that trending ingredient thing. You know, you might see somewhere like Oh, chickpeas are a big trend or all these brands are suddenly developing products with acai berries. But it goes beyond that. It's really looking at ways, like you said, to um, increase biodiversity, to look at products that have or ingredients that have a lesser impact on the environment, that are more sustainable and that also have these really incredible intrinsic properties. Yeah, definitely. And supporting indigenous supply chains as well. So this one's interesting because it really does start at the supply level. And we're seeing more and more investments in these responsible, sustainable supply chains that can bring more biodiversity ultimately into the products that are on store shelves. Yeah, very cool. So I will say, because I forgot to mention this before, we also have a ton of products that we've picked out to support these trends. So We'll mention some of those here on the podcast, but make sure to go to newhope.com and check out this article because I think we have over 40 products listed in the article. And so for this biodiversity trend, I would just give a quick shout out to products like Gruff. It's an ancient green grits that uses farro or um, Sir Thrival has a black walnut that's wild harvested black walnut protein powder. So lots of great products out there. And I like I do want to give a shout out to Big Bold Health because for a couple of years now we've seen them really touting the benefits of Himalayan tartary buckwheat, which is a very specific type of buckwheat that can have those positive environmental impacts. So lots of cool companies here. Absolutely. 
So should we roll right into the next trend is craft vegan. So we've talked a lot about this on the podcast. Of course, we had Kimberly, the founder of Prime Roots here recently, where we talked about vegan charcuterie. This is that idea that we have all of these great brands creating kind of going above and beyond the typical plant-based burger or the plant-based nuggets or cheese slices. We're looking at nuance, complex flavors, real food ingredients, this beautiful branding, artisanal cheeses, deli alternatives, plant-based seafood, just these really fabulous products. And the simplest way to think about it is kind of like everything you would want to see on a really fun, delicious vegan charcuterie board. So it's about the branding. It's about the flavors, the nuance, and just so impressive to see companies like Prime Roots coming out with its, you know, we've talked a lot about it, foie gras, but also the Koji salami and Climax Foods, Climax oh, Blue product is incredible. So good. So convincing. And I think it's it's made with pumpkin seeds, I think, which yeah. is so interesting. Yep. Yeah. So really using those quality ingredients. Okay. Our next trend is got joy. You want to talk about this one? <laughs> I was speechless. I do have joy. I do have lots of joy. And I really appreciate the fact that joy is so prevalent in the CPG industry right now. We're seeing also companies really message empowerment and love and all of these things that bring people good vibes and overall just a feeling of, yeah, like food can make us happy and healthy and live our best lives. And I really appreciate that. It's also about embracing indulgent flavors and formats and tying a company's really positive mission to what's inside the product that makes people feel amazingly good. And I love the just the branding that we're seeing around this, all the product names, you, things like Sunshine or Glow or Aura or Happy Wolf, the Fridge Fresh Bar that went in next to you this year, or Goodles, of course, has got that really positive, really happy branding. So I don't know, it just... Makes you feel good. I could tell you were doing a little shoulder yeah, shake with each it. of those. I like a good shoulder shimmy. <laughs> okay, next up, heritage-rooted foods. So, Adrian, why don't you talk about this? Because you've covered this trend a lot and definitely a big fan here. Well, and of course, we talked to Jake DeLeon, the founder of Founders Heritage recently, which is an organization that is really dedicated to uplifting brands in this area. So this is really talking about diversity. Um, grocery aisles are getting more diverse than ever before. Culturally inspired heritage rooted foods that are really aiming to recover, represent flavors and perspectives from all across the globe. So and of course, we're talking about more than just ingredients and flavors. We're talking about ancestral techniques, authenticity, traditional wisdom, and those brands that are led by founders who are really drawing on that um, heritage from their family or from, from their culture to create these really, truly authentic brands. And I really like how this trend, and I think this is another example of it's much more than a trend, yeah, right? It's a, big, it's a cultural fish. force and something that we're seeing dominate natural products retail stores, and they're doing such a great job of creating an environment of curiosity and experimentation and bringing new flavors and new types of products to consumers who historically haven't tried them before. Absolutely. And I, I think what's great about the products that we are looking at for this trend is that there are so many. I mean, it was fabulous to have way too many products to choose from. Of course, Phila Manila is one of the, one such product. Numa, the um, Ya Oaxaca Mole, 
Better Sour, Cinca, their cheese, and Loroco Pupusa. So, so many great products out there. So those examples, Adrian, I, am, I, I do want to like linger on this for just a minute longer. Like, What are you seeing in those particular examples that really relates to this trend? Is it both the format and the ingredients? I think it's the format. It's the ingredients. A lot of it is the ownership. It's that uh, Numa, for example, is owned by a woman and her mother that are taking traditional sweets from China that her, I think her grandmother used to make and transforming them into something for this market. So it's really drawing on the inspiration from their family. Zinka, the owner, I believe is from El Salvador. Same thing there. She's really pulling those recipes from her culture, her heritage, and bringing them to the market here. Yeah, love that. All right. We know a little bit about collaboration. Where collabs are our thing. That's our jam. It's our jam. Collabs are our jam. I was going to see if there was a jam product, which would have been really fun. There was not. CPG collab. So this is just an overarching theme in the natural products industry of collaboration over competition. So we're seeing this with larger organizations like OSC and Climate Collaborative, Jedi Collaborative, but we're also seeing it in specific products. Now, these types of collaborations can fuel innovation, increase brand awareness, and support mission and sustainability goals. It's really clear that these collaborations are a win-win for the companies. Yeah, it's fantastic to see. And we've seen a lot of recent launches. Uh, for example, Fly by Jing has a collaboration with Little Sesame for a pumpkin chili crisp hummus. Pockets Chocolates just did a collab with Blue Bottle Coffee. And of course, we had Copper Cow Coffee and Tea Drops Ube Latte Mix. That's another great kit, I think, not mix, but it's another great collaboration. And so many. We didn't specifically call out upcycling in our trends because we have talked about that a lot. It will continue to be a big force in the CPG industry. It's particularly relevant here because Absolutely. we see companies that are saying, okay, this part of our processing, this ingredient or output would be wasted, but we're going to partner with a company that can do something with it. So partnerships and CPG collabs are a really big part of the upcycling movement as well. Yeah, I, I love that piece of it. The waste reduction. Yes. Yes. Next up. Regeneratively nutritious. What are we talking about here? So regenerative ag is certainly something that has a big presence in what we do at New Hope through our trade shows, our conference programming, our content on newhope.com. But we've really been talking mainly about the role of regenerative agriculture in climate and helping to mitigate climate change. But now we're seeing a whole new body of research coming out that talks about the role that regenerative ag can play in the nutrient density of, of products. Yeah, and, and I'm going to even just take a step back from these food trends. And we're also doing our personal care trends. And this is something that we're seeing in that realm as well, not just increasing the quality or the e efficaciousness of those products. Sorry, that almost came out in Spanish. <laughs> so it's really a compelling trend in that sense. Yeah. I wonder if um, someone mentioned to me when we were talking about this, one of our editors pointed out that organic had such a, the, the uptick in organic acceptance among consumers really came after they began to relate it to their health, you know, that those products were truly better for them. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if that same thing, I think that's where, we, where we're at with regenerative. It's moving, not necessarily leaving the planet story behind, but adding that piece, making it a personal thing having to do with health and wellness. I do think that will be very beneficial to brands and retailers as they continue to communicate the value proposition of regenerative. And of course, there's so many great products. We've got Simply's talking about this, 
white leaf provisions, true grace, of course, is talking about this Navitas. So, so many great products out there that are bringing this conversation to the fore. Yeah, that true grace superfood powder, broccoli microgreens is such a great example of like a nutrient dense product that the company's mission is really rooted in regenerative. Yeah. Cool. All right. The next trend is NA, meaning non-alcoholic, is here to stay. Cheers. We have definitely discussed this on the podcast. Of course, you had that great interview with Marco Salazar, the head of the Adult Non-Alcoholic Beverage Association. We're going to have a non-alcoholic beverage pavilion at Expo West, a huge pavilion. We had one at Expo East. I hope that wasn't a secret. (laughs) I don't think so. Spoiler. (laughs) But what are we looking at here? We're looking at those delicious drinks that support a healthier, more present lifestyle. They're brands that are building this category that's centered around these non-alcoholic beers, wine, spirits, ready-to-drink cocktails. So we're not just talking about sparkling water. It's like true alternatives to alcoholic beverages. And I've been starting to like, when I have people over, I'll have a bottle of wine out available to them. And I'll also have a bottle of my favorite NA beverage. So I really- Classy. Thank you. I was fishing for that. (laughs) But I think the main takeaway for me is that we're at whatever your lifestyle, whatever choices suit you to have options everywhere, whether it be in restaurants, retailers, or in the home is amazing. And it's becoming the norm. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I haven't been drinking for a couple months now. So I've been really- you're glowing. Am I? Yeah. I was fishing for that. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been sampling a lot of these different drinks. And plus at Expo East, the pavilion, there were so many great ones out there. I loved Parch. They had an agave cocktail. Recess has now gone into the Zero Proof line with their mules. And I think they have a Mark. And so, so many great products out there. And that uh, Parch's prickly pear agave cocktail. So good. I wanted to say that because I really do like prickly pear as a flavor. Ingredient. I don't know how many times I've had prickly pear. Oh, really? Like a prickly pear margarita? Uh, no. Oh, well. Okay. We well, that we could move on. We could... <laughs> a non-alcoholic margarita. Yes. Well, now I can. There you go. All right. Let's talk about women. Our next trend is, we've talked about this, of course, on the podcast a lot. Um, We're talking about women's health. So this is something that maybe was discussed in kind of whispers, euphemism. Now, as you know, if you listen to the podcast, we talk about our women's health issues constantly. Constantly. (laughs) I've never been this open about it in my entire life. And previously, it was mainly about reproductive health, childbirth, and so fertility and PMS. But today... Companies are focusing on all those other issues there. You know, there's so many different issues tied to women's health. Also, I've been talking with a lot of people about how little we know about our own bodies. And just there's so much misinformation and lack of information. And I think the CPG and nutrition industry is trying to take that on. Now, in addition to things that are traditionally kind of focused on women's health and associated with women's health, Companies are also tying women's health to cognitive and cardiovascular function, stress and mental health. And then, of course, hormonal imbalance and balance and all the things that are associated with that. So it's basically a new market. Yeah, it's it's incredible, the opportunity that's there. And it's not just supplements. Of course, there are fantastic supplements. We had, of course, the her stages, the perimenopause won the next year this year. Winged has fantastic products, including a new menopause support, and they also have a hormone balance um, support. I mean, 
so many great products, but it's also food and beverage. What was it called? Mosh, the bar from Maria Shriver. Oh, yeah. Women's Brain Health. Lots of great food and beverages products are also getting into this space. And many of the companies are founded by women, which is finally, finally. Yeah. All right. Connected wellness is our next trend that we want to talk about. Now, this is just the idea that everything affects everything. How's that for a trend? Everything affects everything. I think we're done here. That could have been our one trend. <laughs> exactly. And okay, yeah, this may not be totally new to a new idea to natural health diehards, but it is growing in awareness in mainstream culture thanks to more science and specifically science around the gut-related axes. Yeah, so this is really looking at how the gut influences all other health systems in the body, looking at how a healthy microbiome means better brain health, better heart health, even better mood, mental health, so everything is connected. And just a couple products that we have to illustrate this trend. Oh, gosh, don't please don't make me pronounce the supplement. You're in it. You're in it. See it through. So you got this, Adrian. Floradapt, that was an easy one. Mood and stress, probiotic and prebiotic um, is a great example of that. So is the um, Neurali PSI VS128 medical probiotic. So we've got some great examples there. All right, next up, we're looking at mood, foods, and supplements. So we talked a little bit about joy. We talked a little bit about brain health. We're looking here at feel-good foods, things like cookie dough, chocolate, cereals, all these things that are embracing that clean label, and then those really innovative functional formats that are putting in lots of potent botanicals, maybe ashwagandha, antioxidants, mushrooms. And then we're also seeing it on the, on the supplement side, of course. Yeah, so cognitive health supplements are really doubling down on efficacious dosages of high-performing, mind-supporting ingredients. So this trend is kind of two things. It's like those products that can just make you feel good, a little bit of that joy trend that we talked about earlier, but then the products that are going to do good for your mind and body. And of course, leaning into science for that is absolutely critical. Yeah, then, of course, we're also seeing those trusty standbys, things like omega-3s, vitamin D, B vitamins that are also playing that supporting role in all of those functional foods that are supporting mind and body. And I'm going to just come out and say this. Please, nobody get mad at me. I'm scared. Don't say it. If you ever have to start a statement with (laughs) nobody get mad at me, everyone's going to get mad at you. Okay, next trend. I'm not saying not to take these things, but for me, part of the maybe the placebo effect is when I turn to these foods and supplements that are supposed to make me feel better and that are for mood, and it already makes me feel better just as soon as I start taking. Okay, well, no, I'm... No, I'm not mad at you. I okay. I'm not mad at you. I'm I don't think anyone don't else buy them. Think. Well, but I think you're onto something because it's really about that mindfulness and being aware of the fact that you're making an investment in your health and in your mind and body. So I think that, yeah, that's going to make you feel good and you should. Okay. I'm glad you're not mad at we me. We still like you. <laughs> Committed to climate is our next trend. So really about companies that are making climate commitments. So carbon accounting and carbon neutral or Negative commitments are certainly making the rounds among both emerging and established brands. And I really like an aspect of this trend that we've talked about quite a bit, which is the vulnerability that comes from making these public commitments. We do not think that every company should meet these commitments right away. Yes, they should make them, but there's going to be some stumbles that they have along the way, and that's okay. 
Yeah, and we're not just talking, you know, when we talk about committed to climate, it's not just about carbon accounting. It's also talking about use of renewable energy resources or sources. We're looking at waste reduction. We're looking at upcycling, you know, all of these different things that companies can do as they make steps on their journey towards more robust climate commitments. And while I said, you know, we're not going to hold them to everything, companies should, should be making realistic commitments that they are doing everything in their power to meet. And so how they communicate that is a really important piece of it. Some companies are listing statistics on their packaging so that a consumer can pick up that package and right away understand what that company is doing to you know, improve the climate and the environment. They're also listing stories on their websites and social media. And through all of that, transparency, communication, and again, vulnerability are key to building trust. So we, of course, have highlighted just a couple brands that do it really well. Alter Eco, which I think is might be Alter Echo. I just found that out. This makes me nervous. It's polarizing. <laughs> they, of course, have a great communication on the inside of their um, chocolate bars. I love that Neutral puts that fights climate change right on the box, right on their packaging of their butter. Um, and then Numi, I love that they have this fantastic panel on the bottom of all their tea boxes now that tracks all of their packaging and carbon footprint and all that just right there for consumers to see. So. Yeah. Well, what a great way to end our our curation of 11 top trends is with this one that will truly drive so much of the positive work of the CPG industry moving forward. Yeah. And we'll certainly come back around and reflect on these trends more as we move towards Expo West and into the new year to see really how these evolve and change as, as we move forward. We will. We will. Stay tuned. Happy New Year. <laughs> Thanks, you too. Want to be on The Naturalist? Send us an email at thenaturalist at newhope.com.